Can I tell you, are y'all okay? I just feel like, I know y'all just heard that music. It's okay. All right. But uh, man, it's so good to see y'all. I'm going I'm to tell you, during the worship, y'all got like kind of Pentecostal on me. It was pretty awesome. Um, first service, it's kind of it's interesting when you're here all three services. One, because um, by third service, there's no telling what's going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> but it's like at 845, they're like, hey, we're here. Then 10 o'clock, we're like, hey, we're excited. And you guys are like, let's do this, you know. I love it. But we're starting a brand new series uh, this morning called Till Death Do Us Part. And uh, it's going to be a marriage series. I'm super pumped about this in, in my five years of being here. I don't think we've ever specifically had a marriage series. Um, it was interesting. Uh, yesterday, um, our youngest son, Noah, uh, was like, Dad, what are you uh, talking about tomorrow? And the way that translates is, how long are you going to talk tomorrow? Um, and I said, I'm going to talk about marriage. He was like, oh, I could talk about that. And I was like, oh, you want to? And he said, yeah. And so I was like, okay, what would you say about marriage? And he said, I would say, and he always does this. He goes, I would say marriage is beautiful. That's what he said. And I was like, that, that's it? That's all you got? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, why don't you preach? Why don't you come up? He's like, no, 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 no. Uh, but I'm like, that's a great, that's a great perspective, right? Um, but when it comes to marriage, here, here's what I know, is that if you're married, that, you know, I hope that every single one of us as husband or wives, we know that we could be a better spouse, right? You, you just know that. And I would say this, that if you're single or you're a middle school, high school, college student, um, or maybe even come out of a divorce, that I want you to, I really, really want to encourage you to lean into the series. I know it's easy to be like, this has nothing to do with me. It's much about a bunch of married people, you know, whatever. Man, lean in because I would like to think that one day you would want to be a great spouse. So there's things for us to learn. I remember as a high school punk, you know, just became a believer, taking notes during marriage series that are so applicable to my marriage today. And so just use this as an opportunity not to check out, but to really lean in. And I also would say, this is a great opportunity during this series for you to invite a friend, neighbor, coworker. Uh, marriage is just one of those topics I feel like it's easy to invite people to. That they come on Easter, Christmas, and when you talk about family or finances or marriage or something like that. So um, invite a friend. But, um, you know, it's, it's always interesting when you talk about marriage. I know it can get uncomfortable in the room. Right? Because I've been there before I was in ministry. Me and Sloan first got married. And they would talk about marriage and what you're supposed to do, and every guy in the room is like wiggling, then you leave, and you're like, I wish you wouldn't have said that, because now i got to do that, and you feel beaten up, and then the wives are like, I told you so, I told you the pastor was going to say that, you know, you don't listen to me any, you know, and the guys are like, ah, I don't know what to do, all right, so I get that, guys, all right, I get it, but I do want to encourage you, now I'm not saying you have to do it right at lunch after this, but I think it's good for husbands and wives to talk about these things. Um, if you're single or college student, uh, middle school, high school student, talk to your parents about it. I, I know you might like, well, they're like old and irrelevant. They know a lot, okay? Your parents have experienced a lot. And so talk about these things. You know, let, let's communicate in this. So here's what's interesting, that when it, when it comes to marriage, if we're really honest, there's a lot of different things modeling what marriage should be in our life. And it doesn't matter what generation you come from, there's a lot of different things that are portraying um, different marriages or whatever the case of 
what our marriages should look like. You might come from like the, um, the, the leave it to beaver generation. You know, you, you saw how they interacted and you're like, that's how I kind of see the nuclear family and how everything should be. Now I'm going to be real transparent here. Growing up, and this is going to date me some, and some of the younger crowd will have no idea what I'm talking about. But I remember my family on Friday nights. You want to know what we watched? Married with Children. Have you ever seen that show with Al Bundy? Okay, don't see it, okay? So, but like, that was like it. Like, that's like our Friday night family wholesome fun. It's not wholesome whatsoever. And so, you, we just bring a lot of different things. You, may, you might have had parents that you're like, man, I want a marriage just like them. You might be on the other spectrum and be like, no, they fought all the time. They were miserable. I don't want that. And so marriage is just one of those things that we have all these different things that are, are speaking to us, whether it's Hallmark movies, Nicholas Sparks books, you know, Hollywood, whatever the case may be. But have you ever stopped and really thought what's interesting about the media and how it portrays marriage is more often than not, they fall in love and then it stops. They, they, they show the falling in love part but they never really show the rest, like the day-to-day -day things. And, and, you know, if you've been married for any time, me and Sloan have been married for 18 years, there's these things that happen in Hollywood. You're like, yeah, right, <laughs> you know? It's like that is totally make-believe. That is, that is Hollywood. And if you think about it, the falling in love is the easy part. I remember Sloan and I, we met through a mutual friend. I was in Atlanta. She was at, a student at North Greenville, and we would talk on the phone, and you just do stupid stuff, you know, crazy things. Like, I remember I would leave work at like 6 o'clock on a Friday, um, not, maybe not even Friday. I think I did this like, during the week. I would drive up to Greenville, beat, or try to beat all the Atlanta traffic, which was not fun, get up here. We would eat at Stax Omega, have a little dinner, and then I'll be like, all right, I'm going home. You know, and so we would, you just do crazy things. And I remember we would fall in love and you would, you would be on the phone late at night and you're like, I love you. Let's just, let's just, you know, let's just hear each other fall asleep and hear each other breathe on the phone. Like how dumb is that, right? And, and but you fall in love and then you get married and then it becomes, you're breathing on me, get off, you know, or turn away. And it's like, or it's like waking you up. Like, I don't know if your spouses do this, but they're like, are you awake? And I'm like, I am now. They're like, you're snoring. Turn over. And I'm like, excuse me, I'm just trying to live, you know, just trying to breathe. You know, I can't help that. But it, here, here's the reality is that the falling in love is easy, but marriage is hard work. Marriage is hard work. And, and when I say that, I don't mean in a clock in, clock out type of job because it, it is 24-7. But having a good, healthy, thriving marriage does not happen by accident. You have to work for it. You have to learn. You have to be intentional. You got to get rid of pride and bring humility to the table. You got to sacrifice. You got you to do things that you never thought that you would have to do to, in order to have a thriving incredible, um, healthy marriage. But here's what we, what we know. This is just reality. In the midst of marriage being hard work, we live in a world where two things are true. One, our world in which we conduct marriage is broken and lost. We live in a broken and lost world. And so it's not like we have lots of examples of great, healthy, biblical, godly marriages for us to look from. If I had a guess, I would probably say 60 to 75% at least in this room, you probably come from a broken family or some type of dysfunction of your, of your mom and dad. And so we don't have the model of that speaking into us, and it's not like it's getting any better. 
So we live in a broken world. Here's the second thing I know is true in our marriages. You're a sinner and you're married to a sinner. So you can turn to your spouse and give you permission and say, you're a sinner. All right, no, just kidding. <laughs> I just wanted to see who would do it. Like, I'm not doing that, bro. All right. But listen, we're, we're sinners. We're imperfect. We bring all kind of junk to the table every single day of our marriages. So once you get past the little sweet honeymoon phase of your first year of marriage or whatever the case may be, and then it's like it's the real hard work begins to happen because you have past hurts, past experiences, baggage, expectations that aren't being met, whatever the case is, you bring all of those things to the table. On top of, think about this, women in the room, when you think about marriage, especially in your wedding day, man, you've been thinking about it since you were a little girl playing with Barbies. You know the color palette of your, your, you know, your wedding. You know what you're going to serve at the reception. You know who your bridesmaids are going to be until that one was mean. You kicked her out at the last minute. All those things, you know. You know all those things. Guys are different. All they care about is the honeymoon. That's it, right? And so you bring all those things and expectations, and, and it is just Hard work. And here's where I just, I want to throw this down and, here, and use this to launch us to where we're going over the next four weeks. But this, this is so true. The most important thing of any healthy marriage is, is that Jesus is at the center. And I know that's cliche, but I, what I don't mean is, oh, you go to church together. What I don't mean is, hey, you, you pray every now and then. What I don't mean is that, hey, I give to the church a little bit. What I do mean is every day you wake up, and I'm not saying you're perfect at this, but you wake up and you want to honor God in your marriage and the way that you treat your spouse, how you love them, serve them, care for them, talk to them in such a way where Jesus is being honored in that. Is Jesus being honored in your marriage? Is he, is he being honored? Because the world that we live in right now has really replaced, um, I guess, an eternal purpose of marriage, this kind of kingdom of God mindset in our marriage with more of an earthly passion. That the purpose of our marriages should be, let me get what I want, make me happy. And so as a result, you hear things like this. People get divorced because they're not happy anymore. Or their sex life is boring. Or we just don't look at each other the same. Or I hear this all the time, we're just keeping it together for the kids. And, and that is not how God has designed or orchestrated the marriage to be. And so this morning, we're going to lay some foundational ground um, and talk about the design and desire of ma marriage. In the weeks to come, next week, we'll talk about the biblical roles of husband and wives. Well, then on the third week, we'll talk about conflict in marriage. Do y'all have any of that? Okay, I didn't think so. Y'all are perfect. And then, and then the fourth week, we'll talk about biblical intimacy. So how do we do that? How do we thrive? And so I really challenge you, be here each week, lean in, let's learn. Y'all talk to each other. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to start in Genesis from the very beginning of time in chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And this is the, the tail end of the creation order. God has created all things, said it was good. Right, And so then what we get to is we get to this part where he creates man. In chapter 1, verse uh, 26 and 27, a very familiar verse if you've been in church for any time. But this is what it says. Then God said, let us make man 
in our image after our likeness. Now, let me kind of pause there and just kind of throw out this like little theo um, theological snippet, if you will, because oftentimes people are either confused or they don't even recognize this. If you realize there, it says God said, let us make man in our image, plural. What is he talking about? That's actually the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right there. And so from the very beginning of time, God existed in three distinct beings, being this eternal trinity. And so the trinity comes together and says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And then he says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I just think that's a funny line. Every creeping thing that creeps, that's really creepy, should creep on the earth, okay? That's how I kind of read it. It's like, it's just funny. So anyway, verse 27, so God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So let's pause right there. So the two things we're going to look at is God's design for marriage and God's desire for marriage. The first thing that, that we clearly see, it's not necessarily a sub-point that I need to draw out because I think it's, it's clear as day right here, is that God designed marriage between a man and a woman. Not man and man, not female and female, not however you choose or how you identify. It is a man and a woman. That is how God intended it to be, male and female, biologically. That is what scripture says. That's how God designed it. That is the sanctity and, and sacredness of marriage. That is his design between man and, and woman. And so we see that clear as day. Let us make man in our image, you know, and let them have dominion, all these different things, created, created them male and female. And so we know marriage is designed for a husband and a wife, male and female. Why? So here's like the first kind of official subpoint to glorify God. One, as individuals, even prior to marriage, you are designed to glorify God. The most important relationship you, could, you or I could ever have is our relationship with God. That's how we were designed, to be in relationship with him. The beauty of it is that now when you get married, you get to do that together. As husband and wife, you get to glorify God in all of his beauty and majesty to a broken and lost world. And so our marriage, it either reflects God or it doesn't. Because marriage is uniquely um, created to reflect who God is, his nature, his characteristics, all those different things. Think about it like this. When you love your spouse, you're reflecting the God of love. When you serve your spouse, you're reflecting the way that God, in some ways, serves us by sending Jesus to die for us. You're reflecting the gospel, right? When you forgive your spouse, you're reflecting how Jesus has forgiven us. And so you're, the ultimate job of our marriages is to reflect God. Now, here, here's the main problem. And I don't need to beat a dead horse. I, I would say that many of us agree on this. But here's the main problem. What God designed, our culture redesigns. So what we see in Scripture is, hey, this is it. This is the standard. This is the truth. This is how God designed it. 
our world says, yeah, but, and begins to tweak it and to form it and to uh, per pervert it and to twist it and to redefine define those things. And so now what we have is we have marriages that don't reflect the image of God because they're not based on God's design. They're based on the design of our culture. Are you with me? So you have things like this, all right? And I'm not trying to make some political stance. I'm just saying because it goes with it. I know this is a hard message. But you, it really starts with that we live in a culture that no longer um, truly uh, uh, defines male and female. So you have gender dysphoria, and I'm not saying, hear me out, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I know that there are people that struggle with that. And I'm not saying that they're, you know, they're going to hell or anything of that sort. But what we see clear as day in Scripture is that there are boys and there are, there are girls, right? There are men and there are women. And it doesn't matter how you feel, what you want to be, how you identify, what we have to first start off is that God created them male and female. So if we as a culture are in a mess trying to define that, you can, you can connect the dots that marriages are going to be messed up. Then you can take it to the step where no longer is it male and female in marriage, but now you can have same-sex marriage. And so you have homosexual marriage. That our world says, that's how, it, it, how just marry whoever you love. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Now, I don't know if you feel this way, and maybe I'm getting on a soapbox. Do you ever feel like sometimes you're the crazy one? Like, I feel like in our world, it's like, you're so narrow-minded. There's got to be more way. Just why, why, why are you telling somebody who they can and can't marry, all those different things? Man, it's a, it's a hard thing that you feel like, how am I the crazy one? It's right here. They're male and female, Right? And so we see that our, our culture is constantly redefining marriage and, and saying all these different things. How about this? This is along the same lines. Living together before marriage. Now, I'll tell you, I, I will say as a pastor, and I don't mean this in a judgmental way, but we are getting more and more requests of couples who live together before they're married. And, and I get it. Our culture says, hey, you need to test drive it. It's better financially instead of paying two mortgages and all these bills for you to live together. But... I would say it goes against the model of purity and preparation for marriage. And so I meet with people and they're like, well, we're not, we live together, but, you know, we're not intimate. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> we, we, no, 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 we are in different bedrooms. Okay, that, that's extremely hard. <laughs> like I remember when me and Sloan were dating and we lived in different states and when we got together, it was so hard. Because you love each other, I get that, and you're attracted to one another. But the thing is that the closer you become like that, the, the faster you go, the further you go. And so it's just a very dangerous, slippery slope. But you can say the same thing about our marriages. You can say uh, our, our culture has redesigned marriages to say, you know what? Husbands need to be controlling and wives just need to be submissive. You could also say... That we live in a culture that says, hey, dads need to do this and the women need to do this. And it's not so cut and dry in those things other than you are designed to glorify God. And if your marriage is not based in a biblical model, it doesn't glorify God. That's the reality. And so we uh, exist as husband and wives to glorify God. Here's the second thing I would say 
in this is that God, God's design for marriage is to sanctify us. We see um, one chapter over in Genesis 2 says, you know, after God created everything, he said it was good. It says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And so what we see is that God creates Eve to help Adam because he couldn't do it by himself. And what was so awesome is that what they could have accomplished in different parts was almost harder, but together they're able to accomplish so much more. And as a husband and wife team, you are in this together to sanctify one another, to help each other out. Now, I'm not saying they always have to agree with you and um, you share the same opinion. You know, there's going to be differences. But I do know this. When you get married, you get married, or at least I hope so, because you love that person. You want the best for that person. You have their back. When you get married, no one says, I cannot wait to make my life, my spouse's life a living hell. <laughs> you know, like I cannot wait. I hope they're miserable in this thing. No one says that. You enter into marriage to say, I love this person, I have their back, I want to do whatever it takes. But oftentimes, selfishness, the enemy, creeps in. But God designed marriage for you and your spouse to make each other better. That's hard. And it's, it's a learned thing. It takes great humility. And it isn't a take, 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 and it isn't a give, give, give. It is a give and take back and forth in the process. I remember when Sloan and I first got married, two stubborn, independent people, and I can say that because she's not here right now, is that, you know, when you get together, and the first year, you're just like, oh, this is awesome. I remember we were both in school, you know, we were both working, we made zero dollars, we were broke, but we had love, you know, and ramen noodles, all right? And then, you know, second year, honeymoon phase is over. And I remember there were times where, I, I mean, a lot of times I was just an idiot. I was selfish with things. I was um, immature in finances. And she would be like, hey, that's not okay. You need to tell me about that. And it was, she was like, you should do this or you should do that. And at first, you take it as, who are you to tell me that? And you get defensive. But really, that process is her making me better and me making her better. I'm going to tell you, I was an idiot with our finances the first couple years of marriage. But because she called my butt out on it, to be honest, and held my feet to the fire, and we were proactive on things, I learned. And now I'm thankful for that. At first, I was like, oh, my gosh, i got to bring you every receipt, every receipt that I have. Who still balances the checkbook? Don't raise your hand, okay? I'm like, I just look online, you know, but I was so dumb with it. And, and, and then we get to this place of immaturity where when our spouse calls us out on something, now, I, listen, there's a right and wrong way to do it, calls us out on something, or at least I would do this, it's like we're so insecure that we just take the, uh, we take the offense and then we return a, a, another offense. So she like, she'd be like, hey, Dustin, like, Hey, that was a dumb decision with our finances. Why did you do that? And then I would be like, oh, really? Well, you may tell you what you always do. You always whatever. Instead of just taking it like a man and taking responsibility, it's like, why did I have to dig at her? And so there's like this dance that we have to do in marriage because it's a perspective to say, hey, 
If we're going to glorify God together, and that's our perspective, how are we helping each other get better? And there are some marriages, I'm just telling you, because Christ is not at the center, neither one of you are making each other better. Because Jesus isn't at the center. He needs to be at the center. He has made a helper suitable for you. He's brought an incredible blessing um, to you. All right, so that's God's design. Glorify God and sanctify us. Now here's God's desire, all right? Let's, let's uh, turn to Matthew, um, the very first book of the New Testament, and let me read this. Now I will say there's a section up here, this is just a disclaimer, because uh, I know that we have people that have been divorced, and this is a safe place. I hope that you feel that way. This is not a place of perfect people <laughs> at all. There's a, pa- a part of this passage that um, addresses divorce, and while we might talk about it just for a second, um, I'm going to spend some more time on that in a few weeks, and so I don't want you to leave here to be like, well, you should have talked about it. You left me hanging. Um, come back in a couple weeks, all right? Uh, we'll address it there while we're talking about some conflict. Uh, I want to address it there, but let me read this. In chapter 19, verse 4, this is Jesus talking. He said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. And he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And then Jesus said, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. It wasn't originally in the design of God. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, um, and marries another, commits adultery. All right? So we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. I know it's a tough topic, but here's what I want you to see. In God's original plan. His greatest desire is that you view marriage as a covenant, not a contract. Your marriage as husband and wife is for eternity. It's forever. It's not meant to call it quits or to throw your hands up in the air when things get tough or ugly. That's why you stand before the, um, your, your friends and your family and definitely standing before God, and you say, hey, I want to do this in sickness or in health, richer or poorer, you know, good and bad, the ugly, ups and downs, all those things, I'm committing, this is a promise, and this is why it's so true, or why, why it reflects, this covenant reflects who God is, because look at the old, the entire Old Testament, the entire Old Testament is a story of the Israelites who are over and over and over disobedient to the Lord. They're like, okay, yeah, yeah, we, we, you know, we repent, forgive us, then they turn away from God. But who is faithful? God. He's faithful through it all. And when we commit in marriage, we enter into a covenant, not only with our spouse, but with God to say, I'm going to give it my all. I'm not going to call it quits when it gets tough, when it doesn't go my way, when I'm not happy anymore. Because it is a reflection of the covenant that we have with God and what God made with his people. Think about this. If you think about it as a contract, you approach marriage with a contract is like mutual distrust. If you sign a contract, you're pretty much saying, 
I'm going to sign this because I feel like you're sus or <laughs> sketchy and you're going to do something that's going to hurt me. So let me sign this to protect myself. And so you kind of have this mentality in marriage. This is a contract. I can get out of this contract whenever. I don't really trust you. And I, kind of, I kind of see, I kind of explain it this way. Sometimes people view marriage as like a rental car. Let me sign that contract. I don't even know what I signed, but whatever. And when I don't like it, whatever, it's a rental. I don't care type mentality. When really it's a covenant that as husband and wife, as man and female, you are entering into this covenant to say, you know what? This is a promise. And I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to make it work. And I'm going to put myself and all my desires aside because I want this to honor and glorify God. That's what our marriage is all about. And here's the second thing. God's desire, he's more concerned about your holiness than your happiness. And I know that's hard because we live in a world that's like, God wants you to be happy. And I don't think he wants you to be miserable. But his number one priority is for you to be more like Jesus. To be more like God. To be walking in the sanctification process that we talked about to you, for you to look more like him. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians. He says, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Meaning that as Jesus is at the center and we fear the Lord, then we're fighting for holiness. As individuals and as husbands and wives, that we are fighting for holiness. Now, let me kind of digress just for a second. If you're dating, your dating relationship should be going towards holiness. If you're a middle school or high school student and you're like, I like this girl or I, I wish we were boyfriend and girlfriend, which I always laugh because I'm like, what are you going to do? Like your mom's going to take you in the minivan, okay? Good luck, <laughs> you know? But are you doing it for the right reasons? Is it honoring to God? Or is it just your hormonal attraction, passion, whatever the case, because you feel like you have to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Now walk with God. Seek him. Grow in him. And I've always heard it said this way, that oftentimes it's like we're running a race towards God and to, towards holiness. And one day, single people, students, you look up, and there's someone running the same race right by your side, pursuing God like never before. And that's when God connects you, lets you lead you through this. But as husbands and wives, we're running this race together. You should be glorifying God, sanctifying one another, honoring each other in this. So here's how I want us to end. And I know I feel like I say this every week, but that's okay. Is that this might be a little awkward for some, and that's okay. But for some of you, I'm just going to call it out. Some of the husbands in the room, you need to hold your wife's hand and you need to do this. You need to lead right now. I want to enter a, for, for us to enter into a time of just praying together as husbands and wives. And I know in the both, both services I invite you, you can come down here, use this as an altar. Man, just together, lead each other, come down, get on your knees before God and just pray for your marriage. I don't know the ins and outs. I don't know if you would say Jesus is at the center. I don't know if you would say he was at one point, but he's not anymore. We go in and out. I don't even know. You do. But I would say pray with each other this morning. As the band leads us, just pray. You can come down here. You can do it right there if you're a first-time guest. I totally get that. If you're a student, 
middle school, high school, college, or you're single, I would, I would ask you to pray for two things. Pray for your parents' marriage or pray for your future spouse. I would also say that if you've walked through recently a divorce, I would, I would just ask for healing in that. And you could pray for a future spouse as well, but maybe there's still pain or bitterness or just, just the hurt from all that because I know there's a lot of shrapnel that happens in divorce. Just come before God this morning and say, God, I, just, I need some healing. I just want to glorify you. Let's pray together. Father, I know I needed this reminder this morning of what it looks like to honor you in marriage. None of us are perfect in this room. We all bring baggage and expectations and hurts and sin to every aspect of our marriages. But Father, I pray that right now, as we acknowledge our need for you, that we begin taking steps to make you the center of our marriages. That we erase pride and we bring to the forefront humility to say we need you, we need one another, and we recognize things that we need to ask for forgiveness and repent of that have gotten in the way of having a marriage that honors you. So right now during this time of worship, as couples hold each other's hands as they get on their knees before you. God, would you restore marriages? Would you bring clarity? Would you bring humility? Would you bring restoration? God, for the single people that are in the room or the students, God, I just pray that they would just use this time to pray for their parents. In a world that's broken, that's hard to do marriage in a godly manner, they would just pray. I pray that they would just have their eyes opened up, that beyond passion and infatuation and attraction, to be able to set expectations at a high level of what their marriage would look like one day, to come to you and just lay that before you, God. So, Father, we thank you for the Institute of Marriage and what it means to your kingdom. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You can stand, you can remain seated, you can come front, however you want to respond to Jesus. Let's commit to doing that this morning.